This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. A resolution introduced at the start of this week that would have started the impeachment of the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, has failed to pass the U.S. House. Eight Republicans joined up with the Democrats in the House in voting that the resolution go to the Homeland Security Committee for consideration first. Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene offered the resolution hoping that the full House would engage in the impeachment of Mayorkas. Alabama Congressman Jerry Carl, Dale Strong, and Barry Moore all joined in sponsoring Taylor Greene's resolution. Carl says he wants the House to take immediate action in impeaching Mayorkas. Moore also spoke out on social media, citing the 8 million illegal border encounters and and the tens of thousands of pounds of fentanyl that have been seized at the border. Moore says that in the private sector, failure to do your job gets you fired. U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville is calling on the Federal Communications Commission to ditch a plan that's called digital equity. Tuberville is fighting alongside Texas Senator Ted Cruz and 26 others to stop the FCC from moving forward with their decision. The FCC vote is set for this Wednesday. Tuberville says the plan will give the federal government control over every aspect of the Internet and will chill broadband investment as well as create uncertainty within the broadband industry. The letter to the FCC from Tuberville and other senators says the FCC is broadening the interpretation of instructions from within the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act regarding digital discrimination. They're interpreting it in such a way that they will be able to interfere with practical business choices and profit-related decisions made by broadband providers. Tuberville and the other senators say this is nothing short of an abuse of the agency's powers. Leaders in the Shoals area of Alabama have repelled efforts from a Chinese company that's linked to the Chinese Communist Party that was trying to establish a manufacturing facility there. Goshen Incorporated works out of California with ties to the CCP. The company was seeking to produce EV batteries at the closed-down site of another factory located in Muscle Shoals. Local officials learned more about the background of Goshen and have since declined to approve the project, stating national security concerns. U.S. Senator Katie Britt responded to the news, saying that the CCP is the the greatest national security and geopolitical threat to the U.S., and that the CCP wants nothing more than to plant their flag in the American heartland, buying up critical industries, land, and supply chains. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall has notified municipal leaders throughout the state on how to properly use the funds coming from a $300 million opioid settlement. Marshall stressed in a letter that the money is to be used solely for addressing the opioid crisis here in the state. The AG wrote that the people of Alabama deserve this money to be used carefully and exactly for its intended purpose, as prescribed in the settlement agreement. A 2022 report from the National Database has placed Alabama as seventh in the nation for non-fatal opioid overdoses. The mayor of Mobile, Sandy Stimson, is calling for a halt to any pre-dawn search warrants being executed by the Mobile Police Department. This comes after a 16-year-old was shot and killed by officers on Monday night. Stimson is also seeking a review of the Mobile Police Department's use of force policies and procedures. He has now asked a former U.S. attorney, Kenyon Brown, to conduct that review. The officers were at a home to execute a search warrant that did not involve the teenager. However, the 16-year-old pointed a weapon at police and officers responded with gunfire. A group called Clean Up Alabama says that the director of the Alabama Public Library Service, Nancy Pack, is going back on a promise that she made to Alabamians and to the governor to disaffiliate from the American Library Association. 
Cleanup Alabama is now calling on PAC to resign for continuing to align with the ALA and the promotion of sexually explicit books for children under the banner of LGBTQ. In the middle of this past summer, Governor Ivey weighed in on the issue by sending a letter to PAC asking for a change in policy regarding the books so as to consider the concerns of parents. Cleanup Alabama says that in a recent meeting, PAC indicated that she has no intention of following through on that disaffiliation from the ALA, but will rejoin the group sometime next year in June. PAC has not responded to inquiries from 1819 News about the claims that Cleanup Alabama is making. And the Center for Disease Control has issued a warning over applesauce packets for children after 22 toddlers in 14 states got sick. Testing of their blood levels showed high levels of lead. The applesauce packets are the Wanabana Fruit Puree and Schnucks and Weiss Cinnamon Applesauce. The product has been sold in Alabama stores as well as online. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, well, this time around, there was no vandalism or spray painting or screaming, yelling, or attempts to climb or tear down the White House fencing. Supporters of Israel were in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday to show their support for the country, which is undergoing a conflict with Hamas terrorists right now. House Speaker Mike Johnson and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer were in attendance of this event. Over the weekend, those who were promoting Hamas and Palestinians were also in the national capital by the thousands. The city was left the worst for wear after that event. The U.S. House has passed a stopgap measure offered by House Speaker Mike Johnson that would avoid a government shutdown and push the budget negotiations past the Christmas holidays and into two different steps. There would be a deadline in January, then a deadline for the remaining bills in February. The stopgap bills will keep funding of government programs at current levels until a new budget is negotiated. Johnson's plan averts the use of the omnibus voting process where all 12 spending budgets are passed with one single vote. Conservative Republicans are fiercely opposed to ever voting on an omnibus bill ever again. They want to return to voting on the 12 funding bills individually by the deadline of September 30th. A Texas bishop within the Catholic Church is responding to being removed from his post by Pope Francis. Bishop Joseph Strickland was removed from his position at the diocese in Tyler, Texas. Bishop Strickland has been a very outspoken conservative, and he says the move from Pope Francis is due to greater powers controlling him. And he spoke about it with LifeSite News. Forces in the church right now uh, don't want the truth of the gospel. They want it changed. They want it ignored, they want to be rid of the truth that is gloriously not going to go away. Here is part three of a video put out by independent journalist Michael Schellenberger regarding the House Judiciary Committee report on the weaponization of government. Schellenberger has been breaking down a video put out by Stanford University regarding research that they were asked to do, utilizing college students, by the way, by the Department of Homeland Security, and how all of this partnership was really a front for the government to get people censored without them knowing it was the government doing it. The federal government was building relationships with tech platforms, but there's a healthy distrust both ways for good reason. So a trusted nonpartisan partnership with expertise in the way that misinformation moved on public platforms, with analysts capable of understanding public conversations and a broad ability to explore publicly available data was needed. She just described the censorship industrial complex. That is the censorship industrial complex. She's saying we need organizations that are, that are supposedly nonpartisan, objective, ex, full of experts 
who can evaluate what people are saying on different social media platforms, involve the government, and then demand censorship. That's what she's saying here. One of their responses to our reporting on them is to say that, hey, we weren't doing any censorship. We were just doing research. But the research was all in service of demanding the censorship by the social media platforms of these disfavored voices and disfavored posts relating to disfavored narratives, like namely vaccine hesitancy or election skepticism. So in response, SIO began to envision infrastructure capable of real-time observation and reporting on election-related misinformation. SIO is the Stanford Internet Observatory. So what she's saying is, so SIO started to envision this way to report in real time on what people are saying in social media platforms so that we can censor them. That's what she's saying right here, right now. And she's doing it in a way that I think is very sophisticated. It's designed to make you comfortable with this kind of surveillance of political speech in the United States. Earlier this year, Schellenberger, along with other independent journalists like Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, were all given access to the Twitter files in order to expose what happened there in that particular social media platform. That was all done at the behest of Elon Musk when he took over Twitter, which is now referred to as X. Good news over in the country of Finland for a woman who was charged under the Finnish criminal code for posting a Bible verse to her social media account. The Helsinki Court of Appeals dismissed all the charges against Pavi Razanan, in which they accused her of using the Bible verse to agitate a minority group. Razanan posted a verse in 2019 and asked why her church was sponsoring a gay pride parade in light of God's design for marriage to be between a man and a woman. The attorney for Alliance Defending Freedom was part of Razanan's legal team, Attorney Paul Coleman says that the prosecuting side's questioning of Razanon bore the resemblance of a heresy trial from the Middle Ages, where the prosecutors sought to get the woman to recant and imply that she was blaspheming the majority orthodoxy of the day. ADF President Kristen Wagner says what happened to the woman should never happen in a free society and that the victory for Razanon should resonate globally. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. If you are enjoying the daily detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of the daily detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 